Whether you have a skin interest, a skin query, a skin trauma, or skin disease, I warmly welcome you to Heal Thy Skin, a podcast brought to you by Derm Health Co. I'm Marnie, dermal clinician, dermoscopist, and your podcast host. Skin is deeper than beauty, and our mission is to build the largest platform of specialized practitioners focused on skin health and skin empowerment. Join me each week where we go deep into the skin and beyond to hear stories and education from leading practitioners on a journey of skin health. Vitiligo is considered to be an autoimmune disorder where the body's immune system attacks its own tissues, causing the skin and sometimes the hair to lose its pigmentation. It can appear at any age but studies suggest that it is more likely to start in the younger um, childhood days or around puberty. Welcome to the Heal Thy Skin podcast. I'm Marnie, your host, and today I'm speaking with Lauren Jimison of the Jimmy Journal. At just 14 years old, Lauren was diagnosed with vitiligo. As a teenager, her skin started losing its natural color in a visible area of the body. On her neck. Lauren felt that she had unwillingly walked into a mousetrap of bullies, but she never let her vitiligo define her, and it did not stop her chasing her dreams in an industry where one's look often contributes significantly to the likelihood of success. You see, Lauren works on stage. Right now, she works as an actor, dancer, singer, and musical theatre performer. Listen with us in an amazing episode full of positivity, courage, and inspiration on living life uniquely beautiful. I started by asking Lauren what she thought was the biggest misconception about vitiligo. I think from experience that the biggest misconception is probably that it's contagious, Mm. (laughs) Um, which sounds fairly straightforward, um, but it, it reminds me of being a teenager and developing the condition And that was uh, probably like 12 years ago now, maybe more. I don't know. I was about 13, 14. And at that time, it really felt like uh, not a lot was known about the condition. I personally hadn't been exposed to many people with the condition and my friendship group at school hadn't and my family hadn't. Um, So that's kind of the first thing that people were concerned about and asked me, can I come near you? Should I be concerned for my own health? Mm. Um, Which is really such a terrible additional concern for a child or anybody who's just developed vitiligo to be worrying about. You're already worrying about a thousand other things. Um, And I know that things have really come leaps and bounds in the last decade. Um, But I certainly do still come across people who think, oh my goodness, is that contagious? Stay away. <laughs> and which is really awful. Uh, I know that it's getting a lot better. People are really educating themselves and there are a lot of role models out there now, which has made a huge difference. But every now and then it does come up still. Mm. And it's one that can really hurt. That's for sure. Yeah, I can imagine. So tell us more about your story living with vitiligo. Uh, so I as a child was quite an allergic person. I still am, but especially as a kid, um, I also had a lot of eczema. And when I was about 13, 14, I developed a really bad bout of eczema. It was the winter time. It often happens 
I usually got it in my, uh, the crux of my elbows and behind my knees. That was the really, really terrible spot that would come and go. But this particular season, I got it uh, a big patch under my chin and it was really severe and causing me a lot of discomfort. And as that slowly faded, I noticed and my mum noticed that something looked not quite as it did before that patch of eczema was there. I had just a few kind of brown little speckles and I am somebody who can tan quite easily, but at the time I was quite fair. So looking at me, my mum thought that the little brown specks were the problem. Mm. That's how it began. And I wasn't overly concerned at first because being such an allergic person, I had things come and go all the time, rashes or reactions, bouts of eczema. So like everything else, I thought this would pass. Um, and it didn't. So my mum took me to quite a few doctors, just general GPs to begin with. And of course you think, it's okay, I'll go to the doctor and they'll, they'll sort this out. They'll be able to tell me what I need to do. They'll have an answer, but they didn't. And in the time that it took me to get diagnosed, it spread. Uh, basically, the whole band of my neck, so from collarbones to chin, lost its pigment. There was just a couple of specks of brown. Still at this stage, we thought the brown specks were the problem. And during the course of the time it took me to get diagnosed, I lost the colour in my eyebrows and the vitiligo developed on my face, on my forehead and around my eyes. Uh, and a little bit up onto my cheek. So basically the unaffected areas were my nose and my cheeks. Eventually I went to Dr. Michael Pitney, who um, was a dermatologist who had been trusted by my family for quite a few years. And we were able to get in with him and just taking one look at me, he knew. Um, and my parents being so amazing and devoted, they had of course done all of their research. So they really thought they had figured it out. And they had, they were right. It was vitiligo. And on the day that I was diagnosed, I started UVB treatment. Um, it probably took up six weeks to get diagnosed though. Wow. And that was, when was that? That was 2007, I think. Um, so once we found the right doctor, they were on it. They knew straight away, but finding that person who could help was quite the struggle at the time. And what did that diagnosis look like? Were they doing um, biopsies or was it just more like a clinical observation? Yeah, at the time it was a clinical observation. Um, Dr. Pitney had quite a few patients with vitiligo, so he was very familiar with it and treating quite a few patients at the time. Um, there are a number of conditions that, are, and I'm no doctor, so I'm no expert, but I know there are quite a few conditions out there that can look similar and present with similar symptoms. Um, but I did start the UVB straight away and continued a ongoing relationship visiting Dr. Pitney, where he was able to monitor my vitiligo. And it certainly was that and, and behaved in the way that vitiligo does. Mm -hmm. And did you find that that treatment was beneficial for you? Well, this is a good question because um, the UVB is something that I stuck with, with for quite some time, all throughout high school. And then I had a little break and then I went back and did it for a really substantial period of time because if you don't really stick with it, you're not giving yourself the best chance. And they do say that 
getting, uh, sorry, diagnosing it as quickly as possible and then starting treatment as quickly as possible gives you the best chance of repigmenting. I certainly did repigment. If anybody has seen photos of me, you'll see that my neck is um, quite mottled. And it certainly wasn't like that when I was diagnosed. I really did lose all of the pigment with the exception of maybe two or three little brown specks of my original pigment. So starting off with two or three UVB treatments a week, I certainly did start to see the improvement and it came back in specks as they often um, anticipate it will look as it repigments, like quite little speckles. Then it came to a grinding halt. And I think what is really, really difficult or was difficult for me all those years ago was kind of giving you the right dosage, the right amount of time in the UVB uh, machine and making sure you're not going to burn yourself. Unfortunately, we were really persisting and there were occasions where I uh, did get burnt. And teenage Lauren, being incredibly self-conscious, was not exposing um, my vitiligo at the time. So what that would mean was that I would have treatment, get really, really burnt, have very irritated skin, and then slap makeup over the top of it, which caused additional irritation. Um, and I don't know if it's a coincidence or um, if there's some science behind it, but when I started to burn is when the repigmenting stopped. And that was probably, yeah, it is interesting. It was probably not much longer than a year into having the treatment. Everything that repigmented happened very quickly in the beginning of my treatment. And then it really did just come to a grinding halt. Um, so the way that you see my neck now is the way it was when I was about 15. And it really, in my case, has not changed since then, touch wood. Mm. So it hasn't yeah. progressed, but it hasn't no. become any better from treatments. Yeah, that's correct. That is interesting. And it'd be interesting to speak to a dermatologist or something about that, because we do know that those with vitiligo are less likely to develop things like melanoma, but um, obviously yeah. your skin cells are still in some kind of trauma when you've had sunburn. And as a result, that might have led to the... Yeah pigmentation not forming back yeah that's that's potentially it yeah exactly so your career is in tv film theater very you know mm. when your face and when your body and you know everything is that out there you're in the spotlight was your vitiligo something that you used to try and conceal at auditions oh absolutely um for me most of my work has been in theater and Developing the condition at 14, I was already kind of uh, in the theatre scene, doing competitions and then slowly progressing to professional work. And I had always covered my vitiligo. It was only really in the very beginning of developing the condition and then unfortunately being bullied at school that I became very self-conscious about it very quickly. And I remember the moment that I asked my mum if I could cover it with makeup. And from that moment, I covered it. So what that did for me personally is made it all the more difficult to reveal it because from 14 until about two years ago when I revealed it, I covered it to everyone. The only people who saw my vitiligo were my family and my partner and even my closest friends had never seen it. So I, in hindsight, regretted that decision because it made it all the more difficult to come out in the theatre scene. 
I had presented myself without vitiligo. All of my headshots, all of my self tapes for potential work, all of my experience on stage and screen had been a Lauren without vitiligo. Um, so it was incredibly difficult to not just to reveal myself and my condition to my close knit community, but to the broader community, to my professional community. Hmm. Having said that there were lots of people, majority of people knew that I had vitiligo and they knew that I covered it. They'd just never seen me uncovered. So they knew about it and I was fine and really open about that, but actually showing them the vitiligo for me, it felt really exposing. And I was honestly concerned that, exposing my real skin in an industry where your appearance unfortunately is incredibly important and can impact your success I thought um, could end my career <laughs> I know that mm. sounds really dramatic but unfortunately that's sometimes the way it goes I was lucky it didn't go that way for me yes and I'd absolutely love to delve deeper into that a little bit more. But before we do, I'd like to talk about the camouflage products that you were using. So for those listeners that may not be aware, there are a variation of camouflage products that are used for things like vitiligo. And they are a little bit different to makeup products because often they're longer wearing and they might be applied in a different way. So I guess from a consumer's perspective, perspective what worked for you what's involved in the application how long does it last because if you're also having makeup applied in theater um and you know running around on stage i'm sure that you need something that's long wearing long lasting and feels natural as well yeah absolutely um in my early days of developing vitiligo i used dermablend which is a brand that still exists today and i still have it in my makeup bag for when i decide to use it. Um, and that is more of a cream, more of a typical makeup. Having said that, it is incredibly long lasting and incredibly thick compared to your typical liquid foundation. They do come in pots or liquids or sticks. My preference was the liquid because it gave me the flexibility to um, kind of uh, give thicker layers to the areas that were whiter and thinner layers to the areas that still have my original pigment. Uh, that one is fantastic. And I personally thought it was amazing coming from somebody who, you know, didn't wear a hell of a lot of makeup to then having to kind of feeling like I was relying on it. Um, you know, having said that, it, my vitiligo was on my neck predominantly. So back then when I was at school and you're wearing a white school shirt with a collar, <laughs> I had orange colors because, you know, it's not miracle working, you know, it, it's life and you do sweat and you, you are active. So it was rubbing off and that caused, you know, me a little bit of grief because it made me self-conscious because then not only was I having makeup rubbing off, I had an orange color at school. Having said that, it is wonderful. And when you really know how to work with it and how to set it with the setting powder, um, and how to touch it up when you need, it can be great. And it's actually really great for working on screen because I don't know, it, with the lighting, it tends to look quite nice. So that's one that I've worked with. After that, I went to Microskin. Now I didn't have Microskin when I was really um, working hard at keeping consistent with my treatments. And the reason for that is it's, it is a process 
to apply it and to remove it. Um, the micro skin, it can be stippled on, but I, like so many others, I airbrush it on when I use it. It's called a simulated second skin, and that is a really good description because it is incredible. It's a liquid, and um, for me personally, in my experience, when I decided to use that product, the company got me in. They taught me how to airbrush it properly and take care of all of the equipment that you need. And that, for some people, you can put that on. It's breathable and it can last for three days. Amazing. I originally, yeah, it is. I mean, it's really great, especially if it's time consuming. You can do it and then you don't have to worry about it, which is definitely possible for me. Personally, because I am lucky in the sense that I don't have vitiligo covering a, a huge amount of my body. It's kind of, I've got some lines down my arms. It's on my neck and face. There are smaller areas, which means less product. I decided um, in my later years when I was using it to put it on like you would put normal makeup on, as in every day. That way I could give my skin a, a real good break overnight. Um, but it is absolutely incredible this stuff for anybody out there who has used it you will know um, once you really get the knack for stippling it or airbrushing it on and setting it with the powder it doesn't rub off on things it sweats like when you sweat it doesn't go anywhere it doesn't slide off it's it's the closest thing to miracle cover that i found that's for mm -hmm. sure yeah we love micro skin we've oh, had cool. um julie from micro skin on a, on a recent podcast and this oh, is no way julie. a paid promotion but it no. is an amazing product it really it is. is um and just the fact that you can color match to your specific skin tone is really great as well yeah absolutely i think in the recent years only they've kind of also come out with a range where you don't have to be color matched which is also great if for those who want to use it, but maybe don't want to go down the line of investing in a color match. So there are mm. so many options out there. It's fantastic. And Julie's amazing. Yeah. So it took you 11 years to reveal your vitiligo. And there was a post um, on your social media where you were revealing a huge smile on the beach. <laughs> and <laughs> you said, revealing my vitiligo story is my biggest achievement of 2018. And if you had have told me a year ago that I'd be bare skin in public in 2019, I surely would have laughed at you. Oh yeah, it's <laughs> true. <laughs> Why do you think it was that moment that you decided to flaunt all and embrace your vitiligo? I think for me, uh, concealing it took a lot of effort. It took its emotional toll as well. And it sounds a bit naff, but I really did feel like I was hiding from the world. There was, I felt like I was lying to the world a little bit. And it was just time to kind of liberate myself from that. I really, really had convinced myself that I would lead my entire life with it concealed without ever having to show it to anyone. I thought it was possible. I thought there was no problem with that but it really took its toll. Um, and I think I was just at that time in a really good position where I had an incredible support network of friends. My family had always had my back without ever being pushy. That always encouraged me to think about a day maybe where I was able to go to the shops with it uncovered. And my partner, Anthony, is just my biggest supporter. So I had that huge, incredible network around me. And to top that off, I also had an incredible friend who was an amazing photographer um 
So that photo that you just mentioned on the beach was taken my, by my partner, Anthony, and that was posted publicly a little while after my original kind of big reveal post with some different photos that were taken by my photographer friend, Ruby Clark. So I was just, I had everything in my corner. And when I decided to take the photos, I hadn't yet put pressure on myself to post them publicly. I thought maybe I would just show my family, but we did it in my apartment in a really safe, comfortable environment with my really good friend, Ruby, with my partner, Anthony. And then once I saw the photos, it was kind of like looking at myself from a whole new perspective. And I was like, oh, that's not even that bad. <laughs> that's all right. I'll post those. <laughs> um, it still took a lot of courage and many weeks of kind of mentally preparing to put those out there, but I did it and I felt a lot better for it. Yeah. Amazing. What an amazing feeling. So what's changed for you since then? Well, I think a lot has changed. Um, I started to post publicly little tidbits of my story on my blog, the Jimmy journal, which friends and family and vitiligo community and others were incredibly supportive of that. Um, I think that I'm still continuing to learn and to feel comfortable. I've come leaps and bounds in terms of owning my vitiligo and feeling comfortable in it, but I still have a huge way to go. Um, it was amazing that the theater community, so my professional community, when they read about my story and they saw my photos and they saw me in person, they were so supportive. Um, and so many people have seen my vitiligo uncovered now for me, I've come so far, but the next step would be, wouldn't it be amazing to actually do a theater show with it uncovered? Cause that hasn't happened for me yet. And, uh, who knows it, it could at the moment, COVID-19 has stopped all theater yes. in the world, but maybe one day when this is all over and everyone opens their doors and goes to the theater, maybe that would be the next step for me. And how do you care for your skin today? Has, has things changed the way that, is it more of, you know, guess, uh, self-love way as opposed yeah. to I need to hide myself like absolutely has it, yeah I think in the past with the coverage that I was using um, I just hated looking at myself or spending a day with it uncovered and I spent 99% of my time day and night with some kind of coverage on mm. it which no matter how fantastic the coverage is your skin needs a break um, and as a result you know I was triggering other bouts of eczema and having really irritated skin. My skin is very sensitive, even at the best of times. So these days I try to really give my skin a break from any kind of makeup as much as I possibly can. On top of that, because I am a very sensitive skinned person, I have to be really careful about the products I use. So I keep it really, really basic. I don't try and do too many elaborate face masks or facials or anything i know what's going to work for my skin and i just try and stick with the basics and yeah i kind of have discovered that it's not like oh, i need to wash my face for hygiene reasons i can do that because it's taking care of myself and that is a an act of self-care or self-love mm. yeah absolutely yeah awesome so tell us about starting the jimmy journal 
Yeah, starting the Jimmy Journal came after the photos my friend Ruby took. I really, really love writing. And especially through high school, I really enjoyed writing. I remember my English teacher in my senior years, when I graduated, wrote me a card saying, I can't wait to read your novel one day. And after high school, I was really torn because I loved writing. I had signed up for a creative writing uni degree, but I also knew that I wanted to be in theatre and film and television and all of that fun stuff that I had pursued since I was a child. And I kind of thought, well, I'm young now, so I should maybe go down the theatre path. And I'm so glad that I did. And then thinking about wanting to share my story and thinking, how can I get that out there? I'd love to write about it. Kind of married all of those loves back together. And I am probably the most technologically challenged person of my generation. So, <laughs> so starting a blog was daunting, not just because I was putting my story out there, but also I was like, how do you do that? <laughs> but somehow I figured it out myself. And then I got writing um, and I didn't know if anybody would read it. It was kind of more therapeutic for me. And I was really looking forward to sharing that with my family. I remember when I decided to start it, I didn't tell my parents or my sister. I just did it. And then when it was ready to go, I just linked them to it with no explanation. <laughs> Thankfully, they read it. <laughs> didn't think it was spam. Um, and then, you know, because especially in these days, people have short attention spans. You know, everyone's scrolling. If it doesn't interest you, they flick away. But I was just so stoked and surprised at how many people actually took the time to sit down and read what I had to say. Little old me, everyone, everyone sat down and read what I had to say. So that was really, really cool. And it really gave me an outlet, which was awesome. Yeah, amazing. And I'm sure you've been able to meet so many people because of it as well, by sharing your story. Yeah. By sharing my story, I've been able to former relationship with the VAA, the Vitiligo Association of Australia, um, where I met Dr. Adrienne Ma and another wonderful woman called Nadine. She, her, she likes to go by Nada, who are working with the Vitiligo Association to do some amazing things. It is incredibly difficult, especially right now when there are so many things going on in this world, but this awesome group of people are, are really persisting and they put their heart and soul into trying to create and um, keep a community forming that can support mm. people with vitiligo or people with loved ones with vitiligo. And for any listeners that would like to learn probably more um, about vitiligo from a dermatologist's perspective, Dr. Ma uh, did a podcast episode with us and he is such a delight <laughs> to listen to. Um, so have a look at that. Now, what would you like to see more in the industry, I guess, relating to skin health and advocacy? Yeah. When I met with the VAA, we discussed what our passions around vitiligo were. For me, what I would like to see more of is support and outlets for kids with vitiligo. I was about 14 when I developed vitiligo, um, but I know that there are certainly kids much, much younger who feel really, really isolated. I actually, in recent years, I have a little cousin who's only eight and she has developed vitiligo. And for her, it's been really, really tough at school. I know that, but it's actually the light on the other side of things is that we have each other 
Mm. which is kind of really nice. Um, but I do know that, especially in Australia, there's not a lot out there for children. There are little to no kind of support groups that are active or resources that parents can, um, can, can find and download and, and do with their children. There's really not a lot out there. So for me, that's kind of a big missing link, especially marrying that with mental health and trying to help children accept it and understand it. That's what I would like to see more of. And that's what I'm hoping to do with the VAA. Mm, amazing. Yeah. Amazing. So are you able to share three pieces of advice for someone that is either, either experiencing vitiligo or maybe a mother or a friend or a loved one um, that has vitiligo? Yeah. I think from experience, the first thing, whether you're encouraging yourself or you're encouraging a loved one, it is to accept it. I know that that is incredibly difficult and it's a lot easier said than done, but to find peace with it and to not fight it, to just embrace it. And of course you can do your research and it doesn't mean you can't have treatment, but just to find peace with that is probably the first thing. Otherwise, you know, you put yourself through a lot potentially if you are always fighting it, just accepting it is the first kind of step. I think for people or for parents, especially who are trying to help their children out, it, it is nice to find some support. So whether that be jumping online and finding others, finding a support group that, that suits you. I know that there are Facebook groups out there where it's amazing. People are posting really useful stuff you know, every single day. A lot of these groups are overseas, but even if you just find one buddy, one buddy out there that is experiencing something similar to you or you can share your stories or you can have that conversation with that person that maybe you can't have with your friend who doesn't have vitiligo, somebody who can relate to you. Um, I think that's can be incredibly helpful and you can underestimate it. I know for me, I really didn't find anybody until I was 25 and that was through the VAA. Um, Nada is her name and she's working and volunteering her time with the VAA and she is much, much older than I am. So we come from two different worlds, but it was nice to kind of find our similarities and share our stories. Yeah. So accepting it, finding uh, your support and then educating others. I think that that is so important because the more the broader community knows, the easier everything will be. Mm. It is quite obscure or in or a lot of people think it think it is quite obscure it's quite odd it's there's, there's stuff out there now but there's still not a lot so just telling your friends about it whether you're the person with it or it is your child your niece your nephew whoever it may be letting them know oh yeah uh that is vitiligo by the way here's a couple of things that i know about it and that way that person has a new little bit of knowledge. Maybe the next time they meet somebody with a bit of LIGO, they won't be like, oh my goodness, is it contagious? They'll be much more accepting. Knowledge is power. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, things like sharing podcasts like this or sharing a website link or a blog or a video even. Yeah. Um, yeah they can be really powerful because as you mentioned, knowledge is power. Absolutely. And I think sometimes if someone is 
hasn't seen something before that a first instinct for humans can be fear, even though it might not make any sense at all. So providing some education can certainly kind of dismantle that and just. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I remember you've just reminded me, I, I'm so passionate about children and their mental health around vitiligo because I do a lot of children's entertainment and educational theater. And one time I was working in a school doing an educational performance, which was completely unrelated to vitiligo. And this was at, at a time where my vitiligo was covered, which I regretted a lot in this instance, because in the front row was a little boy with vitiligo and they were all seated next to each other. This was before COVID-19. So everyone was sitting right next to each other and none of the other children around him would sit within a meter of this child. Mm. And I could tell the poor kid was incredibly self-conscious and probably didn't have a lot of friends. And I just wanted to reach out to him and say, I've got a two and show him. Mm. So if those children perhaps knew a little bit more, maybe they would have been more accepting. Yeah. 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 What a sad, but yeah, lovely story. Yeah. So Lauren, where can people find more about you and the work that you're doing either on stage or with the association or with the journal? Uh, yeah. So the VAA, the Vitiligo Association of Australia, they do have a website. And if you go onto that website, which we might be able to link perhaps. Mm, yeah. I can put in the show. Um, awesome. You can subscribe to their newsletters which is fantastic and it's a great way to, um, you know, get in touch with me if that's something that you were interested in. I always love a chat or if you wanted to get in touch with other people in the VAA community. Me personally, I'm on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> My tag is Lauren underscore Jimison, which we can also link you to because I know that it's a complicated surname and it's the same on Facebook. Um, the other thing that... I'm doing is uh, not related to vitiligo, but it's reaching out to children and it's telling stories on YouTube, <laughs> which is always good fun. Um, and that's at the Lauren and Anthony tube. That's my YouTube where there will be lots of fun stuff coming up in the future. Awesome. Okay. Well, yeah. um, I'll make sure that I link to that as well. Awesome. Um, well, thank you so much for sharing your story. It was such a pleasure to speak with you today and, and hear about the things that you're doing. No worries. Thank you so much for having me. What a wonderful interview. Lauren shared with us so much insight into her journey with vitiligo and the reveal and her work being on centre stage. The three deeper than skin insights that stood out to me were, number one, Lauren's career is on the stage and for many, many years, her colleagues and some of her friends didn't even know she had vitiligo. It was just a couple of years ago that Lauren had a shift and revealed her vitiligo to the world. When speaking with Lauren, I sensed that this reveal was scary, but even more than this, it was liberating. There's a saying, the truth will set you free. And I think this just sums up Lauren's story perfectly. Number two, Lauren explains that many treatments and camouflage products that she used, some didn't work for her, some did, and some did for a while until they didn't. There really isn't one holy grail for everyone. 
And despite trial and error sometimes being time-consuming and stressful, there does need to be a little bit of this to find the right fit for you. But it's certainly helpful when we've got people like Lauren to speak about her unique journey and her story um, to give a sense of things that worked in her trial and error as well. Number three, Lauren started the Jimmy Journal as a way to express her feelings and thoughts. She always loved to write. And when others started reading it, there was this sense of surprise. We've heard this common thread in other stories when people have thought that no one would be interested in reading about their story. It's so interesting, though, because it's quite the contrary. As humans, we have this ingrained desire to connect with others on some way, to feel a sense of belonging. So if you have a story to share, there are many mentors out there to give you ideas on how to share it. But if you're not sure where to start, we'd love to hear from you and share your story with the Derm Health Co community. Reach out by emailing info at dermhealth.co. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Heal Thy Skin podcast. If you learnt something, felt inspired or skin powered, we'd love for you to leave a review on your podcast app. It just takes a minute or so and helps others find this podcast. I look forward to bringing you another episode next week. Until then, be skin-powered.